Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Good morning, everybody. It is, well, it's 10.04, Ray, as you and I get on the air. Thank you, Howard. Uh, And it is kind of now at that time of year where we're between everything. The Super Bowl was played last week, so football is kind of in a holding pattern for a while. Baseball, which we'll get to, is unfortunately in what appears to be a holding pa- uh, pattern for who knows how long. Hockey exists, although not so much in South Philadelphia. Not, not, not so much here. So let's start with hoops. Uh, all-star break tomorrow. Now the game, Joel Embiid, right? He's going to dominate the game, get the MVP. That would be nice. We've yeah, seen that. We've seems seen to be pretty consistent with what we've seen lately. Absolutely. Uh, and we expect James Harden to play next week. That's going to be the big story for the next few months, hopefully all the way into June. And so, Ray, I ask you, who is under the most pressure in this city? Uh, come on, Ray. I put that ball on a tee for well, you, and no, I handed I could, you the the three iron. No, I mean, there's one obvious one, um, and but there's one less obvious one. I mean, everybody would probably say James Harden. Uh, I would say James Harden slash, slash Doc Rivers. I was going to say Doc Rivers, but you go first because I I would say Doc. No, I think everybody's everybody's looking at Harden. They're expecting him. You know, he's forced this situation now. He's forced himself out of two different teams in two years, put himself on this team, with, with, and a team that has now totally reversed course, and they're now into a, if this is the team of the process, and the, you know, we're going to wait 10 years to build a team, and they've now flipped into a team that has to win, like, immediately. Uh, and it's really on him. I mean, they've, they've done all of this stuff now and paid a heavy price to bring him in with the idea that we're going to go for it this year. Um and I think that there's tremendous pressure on Harden to deliver. Uh, and based on the way he's played this year, I don't know that it's by any means a sure thing. Well, that's a very fair point. Um, I guess my retort to that is if James Harden doesn't play that well, if he doesn't mesh that well with this team, guess who's not coming back next year? Oh, the coach. Yeah. Right. So, so in that sense, I, I say it's the coach. And – I have not been as impressed with Doc Rivers as I hope to be. It's so it's this theme goes through our city so often. I thought Joe Girardi was going to be come in here and like, hey, they finally got the manager. Now that they got rid of Kapler, they brought this guy in. It's all going to be great. And Joe Girardi's kind of disappointed. Some tough circumstances he's faced, but he has. Doc Rivers came in here, and I mean, you know his history. He's blown some three-one leads, but he is considered by many one of the excellent coaches. In the history of the NBA, they did a thing the other day on the top 10 coaches in the history of the NBA. I think it was NBA.com did it. And he was on there. 
which I would disagree with. But you know, he's got he's got the credentials, right? He's, well, got he's been the doing it forever, and he's got a ton of wins, and he does have a championship. Yeah, so. and I see him game to game, and I think, look, I'm no basketball genius. I will never claim to be. It's the sport among the top four sports that I'm the least uh, could be considered any kind of expert. But I know that if game after game you take your entire starting lineup in and throw in a pretty weak bench and your team all of a sudden is minus 12 in the next three minutes, that that's a bad strategy. And I see it from him game after game. Now, things are going to change. The, you know, the look of this team is going to change dramatically as of this coming week. But I think I think eyes obviously all eyes are on Harden, but I think the critical eyes are going to be on Doc. I think Harden, people give him a little time to adjust. He's got to work into the rhythm with Joel Embiid. they got to figure out you know, how they're, how they're going to play off each other. And it still is Joel's team. We all know that. But I think it's, I think it's Doc. I think it's almost equal. Um, but you're, the pressure is enormous now. Uh, I mean, the, the stakes are raised incredibly. Because they, the expectation now, and the trade was made with the expectation, now that you're, you have a chance to win the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, certainly – Certainly win the East, uh, and then take your chances in the finals, but certainly win the East. I mean, it's there for them. Um, the game in, in Milwaukee, the last game in Milwaukee was very encouraging because I still believe, and you and I, I think, have even talked about this, I still look at the teams in the East, and I still think Milwaukee's the best team. You know, they haven't shown it yeah, all throughout this year. Kind of sleepwalking. But they look like a defending champion is just treading water and waiting for the playoffs, and then they're going to flip the switch. Yeah. I've thought all along that that's what yeah, they were. And they, and they still have Giannis. Yes. Right? And so it's like if you have that, you already have a great advantage. But you would think that, okay, a lot of a lot of the regular season games are just kind of a sleepwalking through them game. But you get the feeling that they came out to play the other night because they're playing the Sixers, and the Sixers are good, and they know they're probably going to see them in the postseason. So this was a game that they probably laced them up and said, let's go play tonight. And the Sixers beat them in Milwaukee. Yeah. So that was pretty meaningful. That's a very nice point. So, um, you know, there's, there is that. And you know, would I make them the favorites in the East right now? Probably not still. But I think it's, it's, I think it's attainable. You know, I definitely think it's attainable. And with the trade that they've made, they're in a position now where, let's face it, the window is probably, go, is probably a year to two years at the most. they got to go for it now. James Harden's not long-term. No. Anywhere, including this town. And you know what? I like what you just said in terms of I want all the pressure to be on me. I, they, we've waited and waited and waited, and, he, you know, the, the whole process. But the last couple of years, okay, hey, this is the year they're going to make a run. And they get to the second round, and they get knocked out. Right. Uh, it's, like, unacceptable. I want all eyes on them, and I want them to achieve. And it could be great. It really does have the opportunity to be. And I hope the coach is up to it because, Ray, I don't know that he's the – we've seen some great basketball coaches. We do know there are some great basketball coaches in this town. Yes, there are. And we saw evidence of it again this week. Um, Jay Wright, I mean, what, what a coach he is. I mean, it's just, it's just amazing what he has done with that Villanova program, what he has built there. And, you know, we don't talk – a whole lot about college basketball on this radio station. Um, there isn't a whole lot of chatter about it. I mean, it, they don't really spend a whole lot of space or time in the newspapers covering them. It's, the Big Five is not what it used to be, that's safe to say. Right, and it's, it's a splintered fan base. Yes, it is. It's not uh, like there's one team here where we're all rooting for the same school. Right, right. And there's not the sense of, 
of real true rivalry among the teams now. I mean, Villanova is clearly on a on a on a level way above the other teams, and they've earned that right. And part of it is is the coach and the game that they played the other night in Providence um, was just a tremendous game. And, and I think that, that I just wanted to mention that I didn't want to go through the whole show today without mentioning. What a huge win that was for Villanova to beat Providence in Providence, 89-84. Providence team is 21-3, number eight in the country. They hadn't lost at home all year. Villanova goes into goes in there with two injured two injured players. Colin Gillespie, who's just a, a marvelous player, has a really badly sprained ankle he'd been playing on, but he, he's playing it that night. And Justin Moore also had a sprained ankle. Uh, and they go into Providence and beat the Friars, uh, and they're, they're ranked number 10, Providence is number 8, and they beat them by 5 in Providence where they hadn't lost all year. Um, just a tremendous victory for Villanova, and it, it sort of follows the normal villanova J Wright track in which it's a team that peaks late in the season. You know, they start out, they play a really, really tough out-of-conference schedule. They play a lot of really good teams early, um, and they lose some games along the way, but the team gets stronger, and they get they really get battle tested. So you get into the Big East tournament and then the NCAA tournament, and they're a really dangerous team. And they certainly demonstrated it the other night. And what both coaches, both Jay Wright and the Providence coach, both talked about afterwards when it was over, said this was a great college basketball game tonight and a great night for college basketball. And it was Colin Gillespie, who's had a great career at Villanova, is now a senior, had a career high 33 points playing on a sprained ankle in that game. Uh, and hits a monster three-pointer with 30 seconds to go that basically put the game away. Just a tremendous, tremendous game uh, and a tremendous victory for Villanova. So I, I wanted to acknowledge that because, like I said, we don't talk a whole lot of college basketball, but that was such a big win and such a big statement win for Villanova that I, I thought it bears mentioning. Me and uh, the other thing is that today Villanova plays Georgetown. And, uh, you know, we know – we know what Villanova Georgetown. You mentioned Villanova Georgetown. You always have memories of what Villanova Georgetown used to be. Well, Georgetown isn't that anymore. They have not won a game in the Big East this year, uh, and Villanova is a twenty-point favorite over Georgetown today. So I guess the I guess Patrick I, Ewing's not playing. I guess the well Patrick <laughs> Ewing's coaching, which might be part of the right. problem. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but this is. Uh, uh, they're, they're playing that game. They normally Villanova Georgetown has a certain magic to it. Not so much. Villanova's going to. The only problem they're going to have is trying to refocus after a big win in Providence to get ready for a an zero and fourteen Georgetown today. All right, Ray. A couple things I want to get in even to this first segment. By the way, two on five five nine two ninety four ninety four to talk to us. Um, we're going to do our Scheib Sports Philly uh, moment in sports history coming up at eleven o'clock, and it's an amazing thing that happened on this date years and years ago. But one year ago, yesterday, was a pretty big bleeping deal and here's how it was announced on espn the divorce that seemed inevitable this offseason has reached a peak with the philadelphia eagles agreeing to trade carson wentz the number two overall pick in the 2016 draft to the indianapolis colts setting up a reunion with frank reich this of course according to our mike garofolo that's our mike garofolo who is correct as usual so, uh, yeah, I mean, so many hours of hot air have been expended on this station about what went wrong here uh, and, and how it turned out and what should have happened and so on. But now it's now a year later, it's gone bad in Indy. 
And Chris Mortensen, who's as reliable as anybody else, as anybody, and others have reported that the Colts, after one year, are looking to get rid of Carson Wentz. And guess what? They're not going to get a first and a third for And uh, No. No. And with that salary, they're going to take whatever they can get. So my question to you um, is, why did Wentz flop? With the Wentz we saw that Super Bowl year, that guy was going to have a terrific career in the NFL. And they got hurt. And they came back and they got hurt. And maybe the answer to the question is my setup to the question. But how did it just go so, so wrong for him? Uh, that's a question people are going to be um, – that's going to be somebody's term paper <laughs> somewhere down the road. Is whatever whatever became of Carson Wentz because right. it is um, it is baffling. I mean, what we saw in 2017 up to December, up to the injury, was not make believe. It was not an illusion. Mm-hmm. It was real. He was he was not just the best quarterback in the NFL. He was the best player in the NFL. I mean, he was running away with the most valuable player reward. Um, I mean, he had a stretch there of nine games where they won nine games in a row, and he was 24 touchdown passes, two interceptions. I mean, that was not an illusion. Was that was, nor was it an accident. Yeah. I mean, he was, he was a dominant player on the best team in football. Then he suffers the knee injury and comes back, and it's never the same. Um, I don't know. I think the part of it is we didn't realize how bad the injury was at the time. When they got in, they performed the operation. They found out that, uh, in addition to the torn ACL, there was a, a, a lateral collateral ligament tear that nobody knew about before, and also the IT band was also injured in that. So the injury was actually, we knew it was bad, but it turned out to be worse than they thought. It wound up to be more of a reconstruction than just a repair. Um, so you could probably argue that the leg has never really come back to what it was. Um, and he's had a series of injuries since then. He's had a back injury. He's had a knee injury. He's had foot injuries. He's had ankle injuries. He's had the concussion in the playoff game against Seattle. Um, he's he's taken he's taken a lot of he's taken a lot of bumps and bruises along the way here. And but still, there's there there are times when he plays brilliantly. I mean, there were times this year in Indianapolis when he played play, played really good. I mean, he had a stretch where over a 12 game period. When the Colts were nine and three, and people were saying, "Boy, nobody wants to play the Colts in the playoffs," um, you know, twenty-two touchdown passes, five interceptions. I mean, he was playing really good. But then it got down to the end of the year, and all they need is one win against either either the Raiders or the Jaguars, and he just completely melts down. He completely falls apart. And I'll look. I will admit to being shocked at what happened. I thought I really thought that Indiana. I really thought he was going to reinvent himself mm-hmm. in Indianapolis. Well, and by the way. Had the, had the entire opportunities with the coach he always wanted to be back with on a team that had the best running back in the NFL. Right. So that it, it was there for him to do well. I Ruben Frank wrote a really good column this past week addressing this, and he said that his Ruben's theory is that Wentz never realized he had to change his game. He, was not the phys, he couldn't do physically what he could before. He needed to adapt. He couldn't be that guy, and he never got that through his thick skull. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of logic to that. Uh, I think there is. Um, and the bigger part of it is, to me, when I watched him play this year in big games, games that they had to win, um, his confidence is gone. You know, his confidence is gone. And he's got – he doesn't – in that stretch in 2017, he believed he could do anything in any situation against mm-hmm. any opponent. And now 
he's still trying to make the same plays, but he doesn't have this, his confidence and his ability to make it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and he's and he's forcing things, and he's making big mistakes in critical situations. And now the question is: You say that the Colts are going to try to trade him. They say if they can't trade him, they're just going to release him. I know. How and about he, that? He's, he's going to be 30 years old next season. He's not a young man anymore. No, he's going to be on the scrap heap. He's going to be that guy now who goes to a team that's got a young quarterback and has him as insurance is what he's going to be, which is a shame, man. Listen, I, I wanted him to be great. I thought he was going to be great. I, you know, I, certain things you're wrong on, man, and that was one for me. I always thought Carson Wentz was going to really be terrific. We, we all thought, yeah. and it was real a realistic expectation based on what we saw, that he was going to be the quarterback here for a decade Ever, yeah. or more. All right. I want to work one more thing into the open, Ray, because yesterday, well, I'll do it this way. Today is February the 19th. Do you know what we should be hearing right now on our televisions? <laughs> All right, the crowd may not be there because it's the games don't start yet, but the crack of the bat, Ray, it's spring training. You know what I'm looking to hear? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's fastball right there. Um, I like those sound effects. Yeah, they're, they're great. good. They're good. They're great. Major League Baseball yesterday canceled the first week of spring training games. Uh, they were supposed to start February 26th. They will not start at least until March 5th. I'd, I'd take the over on that. Um, Rod Manfred, Rob Manfred, excuse me, uh, who makes $11 million a year as commissioner. I mean, he's not alone in this, but Ray, they're killing it. Um, and I get, my question to you is not exactly that. We've got about two minutes here, so let's do this quick. Okay. Um, eventually they'll come to a settlement. And that what they're arguing about now is super two arbitration guys. Do they get this? And do the players get one more half a percent of that? And it's, it's all financial BS that fans could care less about. Right, mm-hmm. they did put in the DH. I know you don't like it, but at least that was that was a game decision, more or less. Right. <clears throat> we agree, and I think a lot of people do, that baseball is just suffering as a spectator sport. It's not fun to watch anymore. The games are too long. There's no stealing. There's no fielding. It's just walk, strike out, home run. Right. It's a boring game. Right. This is their opportunity, while they're in pause, to say, okay, we'll work out this financial stuff, but let's also address. The game. Right. Ray, I come to you as, as, as a voice of wisdom and experience. Will they? Will they take any acts to save our sport? No, of course not. That's a silly question. Thank no, you. they're going to they're, they're drown in the minutia. They're going to drown in the dollars. They're going to drown in the nonsense. Because that's the course that they've been on now for years. Um, yeah, I, saw, I, I read a line this week that really made me laugh. I'm, made me laugh and cry at the same time. Somebody said that the way baseball's going now, that the term hitting coach on the team should be changed to swinging coach because there's, <laughs> there, there's no science yeah. of hitting anymore. It's all just about yeah. swinging. And I thought, you know what? That's, that's true. I mean, that's really what it is. But, yeah, I have, I have no – listen, the last meeting between these guys broke up in 15 minutes. I know. So they, does, they does said that sound like it's anywhere moving towards resolution. Somehow they said that's the strategy that they're going to hold short meetings because they think those will be they'll get more progress. I, I have no idea exactly the logic of that. But, yes, it is not an encouraging. Nothing's an encouraging sign. And again, if they don't start baseball till May, I can live with it if the game comes back better. Right. If they speed it up, if they put in a pitch clock, if they figure out what to do with relief pitchers, if they. You know, I, I think they need to outlaw the, the shift. I do. I think that that's one of the things that's just killing the game. 
they have to make moves to do things to improve the sport, which is no longer a national sport. And they're not. They're going to fight over money. And then they're going to settle the money. And by the way, all the, pe- all the people locally who you know plan their spring training trips, you were telling me your parents used to drive down. My grandparents. Your grandparents, excuse me, used to drive down every year back in the day. Your parents, I'm sure, went. You went to spring training. I went. It was a big highlight all the time. Hey, let's go to Clearwater, go to Frenchie's and have the grouper sandwiches and you know, the, go to the other places, go to the ballpark, sit in Whale Beach, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. All the thousands and thousands of people in the Delaware Valley who go every year to spring training, they're screwed. Right. All the people who work down there, those restaurants, those hotels, who rely on February and March, this is when they make their nut. This is how they survive. They're screwed. And, by the way, in other towns around Florida and Arizona. Sure. And these idiots are sitting around talking about Super 2 arbitration you know, players and length term of service and all that nonsense. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I hate them for it. I hate them. Baseball was my first love as a sport. I still follow it out of habit and out of, like, I can't quit on it, but I know it's it's not good anymore. It's not good for me. And at the same time, these jack wagons are hijacking it for their petty arguments. I mean, it's the cliche, billionaires and millionaires arguing over money, but it's really true. And the fans, uh, and the fans who love February and March, give me one more crack of the bat. Well, there you go. At least it was the crowd. <laughs> there it is. Thank you. That's what people, that's what they want. That's what I want to see. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I, listen, I miss, my gripe. I miss the game like you do. But just, and that's, that's my great, look, we've been down this road before with, you know, with impasses and strikes and delays yeah. and lockouts oh, and all. Always fun. But when you got back to the game, the game itself was fun. The game is less fun now, which is the, to me is, is the bigger problem. But they never are willing to address that. Yeah. 215-592-9494. Ray Dinger, Glenn Mack. Now, let's see. What do we got coming up? Oh, let's tell people about the uh, Tell Us Your Story Best of Edition today coming up at noon. This was your idea to do it this way. Yeah. Uh, this is uh, part two of Best of Tell Us Your Story. And this one is all about uh, it's interviews with guys about how, where they grew up, their families, their backgrounds how it started for them, how they got into sports, and how they found their way to Philadelphia. And we have some, uh, we have some really great people in the area. Bobby Clark will tell you what it was like to grow up in Flint Flon. Our own Keith Jones tells the story about his draft day when he found out he was drafted by the Washington Capitals. Shh, don't give away. Oh, I'm not going to give it away. Good, yeah. uh, but there's, uh, we hear from Herschel Walker talking about being bullied as an elementary school student and yeah. how he began doing push-ups and made himself into a Heisman Trophy winner. Larry Anderson, Brian Dawkins, Deuce Staley, and as you say, half of it is kind of origins and the other half is exits. Right. Leaving this town or leaving the sport. And there's some compelling interviews, Ray. Uh, it was a great idea by you. So we got that coming up. And by the way, in the next segment, the first episode of, I got to, hold on, I got to get my voice right. <clears throat> the Diddy Draft Preview. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's today. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anybody else I would worry if they were caught off guard, but I see all the yellow legal. Yes, pads. I've got I, them. I know we'll be okay. I'm still uh I'm still going through all my notes from the senior bowl, so I'm I'm ready for there you. you. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. Ray Dinger, Glenn Mack now, Saturday morning on ninety four WIP. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well for one. 
they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.